Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. This is Pop Health Week on the Blog Talk Radio and Affiliate Networks. This episode is brought to you by Health Innovation Media. And welcome, everyone. I'm Greg Masters, the producer and co-host of the show. And in the virtual studio today, as always, is my colleague, Fred Goldstein, principal co-host and co-founder here at Pop Health Week. Hello, Fred. Hello, Greg. Fantastic. And looking forward to another show today. Oh, yes. We're going global today. And this is the first broadcast back from my hometown, San Diego, after seven months in beautiful South Lake Tahoe for perhaps the best skiing season in three decades. But we'll let that one go. For those of you not familiar with Fred, he is a veteran healthcare executive and the president of Accountable Health LLC, a Jacksonville, Florida based consulting firm. Fred serves on the editorial board of the Journal of Population Health Management and is a sitting member of the Best Practice Review Panel for the Institute for Medicaid Innovations at Medicaid Health Plans of America. Fred is also past chair and former board member of the Population Health Alliance and is known on Twitter as at F.S. Goldstein. My background includes thought leadership and strategy consulting for hospitals, health systems, and physician-led ventures. I publish and principally author ACLWatch.com, HealthInnovationMedia.com, and PrecisionMedicine.Center. And now for today's special guest. James McGregor founded McGregor Group in early 2002 as a combination of his two careers in strategy consulting and healthcare ventures. He started work at Bain & Company, gaining experience from the London, Boston, and Johannesburg offices. During his six years, he was one of the first consultants to achieve a Bain MBA involving finance, marketing, strategy, and other courses at the London Business School and INSEAD. In 1990, he left to lead his first health venture, Carol Black Europe Limited, a subsidiary of a U.S. venture. For the next 10 years, James returned to international strategy consulting with a startup corporate development boutique, Arkwright. Until 1999, he led the London office, building a client base of international financial service companies, mostly in health insurance, such as Cigna Corporation, AIG, Bupa, and Mellon. Since 2002, James has run the McGregor Group with personal involvement in almost 300 projects. He has established partner offices in Paris, Bahrain, and continues to build the 25-strong associate network from the U.S. to China. And with that introduction, Fred, over to you. Help us get to know James and what he's up to at the McGregor Group. Thank you so much, Greg, for that, as always, excellent introduction. And James, welcome from across the pond. Thank you very much. Um, Very nice to be here. 
Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, and it's really great to talk to you. Obviously, we've met a couple of times at the Population Health Alliance and kept in touch ever since then, and you're really doing some unique work. So I'm excited about this show and, and an opportunity for us here to learn a little bit more about what's going on overseas. So perhaps you could start by giving us a little introduction to the McGregor Group and what you folks do. Uh, sure. Um, so uh, you heard from the, the resume, I've been, uh, I'm afraid I've been a career management consultant uh, with various uh, ventures in healthcare um, in parallel. Um, and uh, so after a bit, I set up McGregor Group with, uh, with some uh, old colleagues and we decided to focus wholly on healthcare. Uh, and that was about 20 years ago. Uh, it's a fairly boutique sized company based out of London and Paris. Uh, with a very narrow industry focus, we just do healthcare insurance and healthcare services, uh, but we do that across the whole world. Um, and we do things like consulting, growth consulting, M&A, we publish, uh, and we also invest occasionally in uh, smaller healthcare ventures. So... You know, one of the areas you focused on and we've sort of gotten connected through is population health. And you've seen and been in the United States and, and been at the conferences and seen what's going on here. What's the interest level in Europe and the other countries around the world? And sort of where are they when you look at that compared to the United States? Um, well, right now, the interest level is uh, quite high, but... Uh, we are in 2017 and you guys have been at this uh, for maybe 40 years. Um, so uh, you could say that we're safely a long way behind uh, the curve in that respect. Um, but, uh, and, and there have been over the last uh, maybe 20 years, um, a slow buildup of interest in what we now call population health management. Uh, We've had occupational health, we've had EAP for a very long time. Uh, we had, uh, quite some years ago, we had Cigna set up in the UK with their um, nurses on the telephones offering essentially behavioral health um, support. And then as far back um, as I think it was about, um, let's see if I can remember the years now, as far, as far back as maybe 1994 or something like that, uh, the South African company Discovery um, came to the UK and bought a health insurance company. And then we start to get the, the beginning of the vitality concept, which I'm sure you're familiar with. So it, 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 it actually goes back a little way, um, uh, but, but uh, it was a pretty slow start. Um, and you would say now maybe the last two to three years that there is much, much wider interest in this. And is most of that driven, you talked about the health plans, and obviously in the UK, you have a very different health delivery system, healthcare delivery system than we have here in the States. Is it being driven through the NHS or is it by bringing in outside services into the NHS or how are they looking at this? Um, uh, well, I'll split the UK from Europe, uh, not because that's very topical at the moment, but uh, just, <laughs> just for the sake of uh, the discussion. Um, the UK, as most listeners may know, is, is largely a, a tax-funded public health system um, with a small and completely static uh, private health 
uh, industry, uh, which is mostly uh, funded by groups. Um, uh, and so the probably the start of any population health initiative uh, would have been things like government-driven health, um, sorry, smoking cessation programs, which would have been probably 25 years old now. Um, so it probably started uh, in the public sector, uh, but, um, you know, that was pretty much all there really was for a long time. Um, and again, it's in the last three years that you see that uh, has changed in the public sector to we, we now have a sugar tax uh, and other sort of uh, government-led healthcare initiatives. But in the meantime, it was the multinational companies that were driving this, um, beginning to take occupational health, health more into the um, health area and um, implementing a range of techniques you probably had in the US for a while. So it was, I would say it's been largely led by the multinationals over the last uh, 15 years. And as the multinationals look for these types of services around population health, are they look, are they being brought into the UK through outside vendors? In other words, are is it American companies coming over and delivering these? Or as you talked about with Discovery coming in and, and Vitality, is that the way it's being done? Or, or are many of these being internally built by the NHS? Uh, no, not not by the NHS. Uh, in fact, very, very little has been done until the last very few years. Um, uh, so um, as most of the stuff that's been done is, as it were, rather old fashioned techniques in health management, um, uh, EAP and um, uh, a little bit of what uh, I think is called utilization review and case management, which uh, was more US. This was probably this was done by UK firms, possibly sponsored by an insurer or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. But the big the big breakthrough, uh, which has been, uh, I would say, very dramatic, was brought in by Discovery. Uh, I should check my notes here. It's actually 2004 they came. So some years ago, um, that was a very big moment. Um, and really the presence of big American, um, for example, big American um, healthcare uh, service providers is very limited. Uh, we've seen, I do remember, for example, Health Dialogue, which was for a time owned by Bupa, um, mm -hmm. came into France in a big way because, in fact, France was, uh, the French government was faster than the UK government in uh, creating a, a diabetes, pro a national diabetes program. And Health Dialogue was the first uh, to, to, to have that as a, as a contractor. Uh, mm -hmm. But they died off and, uh, and it now is uh, taken over by Healthways. So probably Healthways, you'd say, is the first pioneer from America. Right, and I believe Healthways has done some work there and in Germany, and then you, I know Accenture has a really large, or had, had it, the last I talked to them, a really large project around diabetes for the Spanish government. So is it tend to be an opportunity for American companies to come over there and take a look at potentially providing these services? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I am convinced there is an opportunity, not just in UK or Europe, but, but uh, in many continents for the uh, braver and larger American 
um, healthcare service providers. I, I, we've seen we've seen move from Aetna, uh, but not uh, not so much in Europe because their position in Europe is quite small. But m more so in the Middle East and and the Far East. Um, so we've seen um, we've seen Optum come in, uh, <clears throat> in particular in the UK, in Australia, uh, in Singapore. Um, so you know these bigger American companies are choosing their markets uh, based on a, a screening criteria, which is something to do with the infrastructure they have, but all, uh, but but often to do with the receptiveness and readiness of a particular place. Got it. And let's let's switch a little bit to the Middle East. You mentioned it a little bit. Um, that's an area, obviously, where I, I mean, I've seen some data around issues around obesity and diabetes exploding in some of those uh, countries in the Middle East, and uh, they're really trying to develop healthcare systems. What are some of the issues they're they're facing? What are they looking for, and uh, how would companies go about potentially working in the Middle East? Um, well, let's think about their their um, the issues they're facing. Um, I'm just looking at some stats here. Uh, the, uh, the obesity rate across the GCC, the Gulf Cooperation uh, Country region, uh, is about forty percent, and that is uh, one of the highest in the world. Um, they have. I'm just reading off a few facts here, but they have the, the WHO published some stats saying that uh, nearly 70% of their population over 15 is insufficiently active, which is again the highest rate around the whole world. So, uh, you know, they they have they have. I mean, obviously, there's some there's some explanations in that it's extremely hot, for example, um, uh, but. Um, you know, also, also some of you know some of their religious um, uh, practices mean that they, they they can't eat during the day for a month and so on. So there are there are extenuating factors why this is the case, but but um, so they, they do have um, you know a, a, a big challenge, and and NCDs not surprisingly are very prevalent there. So they have the usual challenges, and and I would say actually that um, actually if you look across the whole world. Um, the, the same underlying problems are, are are often the case. You know this rise of NCDs um, and, and an aging population is a different does differ by 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 continents quite significantly. Whereas you know some of these emerging markets have a much much younger population, um, but the NCDs is very common. So they they have a big problem. Um, sorry, you have to remind me of your second question. <laughs> so, so you've you've now set it up. Obviously, they have this huge problem. And what do you see some of the Middle Eastern countries doing? Um, obviously, there's a it looks like an opportunity for companies to come in there and provide some services. You know, you would think the incidence of prediabetes must be extremely high there, et cetera, and type two diabetes. So, I would assume um, there are companies now laying the groundwork or already there beginning to put in some of these population health programs? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, every every Middle Eastern country uh, is very sort of different in its style. Um, it, the only Middle Eastern country of any scale is Saudi Arabia. Um, and their, their problem has been that they just didn't have any hospitals uh, um, uh, if you go back 10 years ago. So, you know their their, their challenge and, and which they have met admirably in the last ten years is building healthcare infrastructure in the first place. So in a, in a way, uh, population health it, it wasn't wasn't their immediate priority. 
Um, if you go to somewhere like Abu Dhabi, while the same is a bit true, they they were very organized very early, impressively so. And of course, these are pretty new countries, relatively speaking. But 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 they they maybe five years ago instituted a national uh, testing process for diabetes. So every adult had to be tested for their um, uh, their current um, rating for diabetes. Uh, and then they extended that to students. And now I think they do it on a three yearly cycle. And, and it was a condition of having, uh, a, you get free healthcare if you are an Emirati, um, but it was a condition of having a health care card to be tested. So, um, it, you know, they have now a national database of everybody over well, 12 perhaps, uh, and they know exactly what the national status is in terms of uh, diabetes, pre-diabetes, etc. Um, that was called the Wakaya program. Um, and then they set up a number of specialist diabetes hospitals and facilities um, uh, to, to answer the problem. And they at one point went out to contract to international firms. This, this is maybe three years ago to international firms to uh, run this contract in terms of the treatment programs that they uh, gave to those people who needed them. Um, but that never actually completed. And the reason being is they decided before they wanted to do that, that they would build a national database linking up health insurance, uh, pharmacies, hospitals. So they, they had all the data at their disposal. So. So my point being is, whereas you've got Saudi, which has been quite uh, slow to do an awful lot on a national basis, uh, a country like Abu Dhabi, which is far, far, far smaller, has been, you know, almost world leading in its approach. Uh, so you have different, different reactions. But my point being that there are opportunities. You, you've got to know the countries well, but there are opportunities in many of them. Well, it, you well, know, it's just it, amazing what you've just. You've just talked about talked that about there's this there's huge this. variation between these countries. And so if you think about it, you really do have to sort of get some a, a fair amount of advanced knowledge of the area because I was looking at more as a, a singular, you know, region in a sense. But there are sounds like incredible variations in where they are around system development, thinking about their populations and what they ultimately want to do um, in, in the Middle East. What about Asia? I heard an interesting comment at a conference a few weeks ago or a few months back that uh, in Japan, for example, you mentioned the age issues. In Japan, for the first time, they were selling more adult diapers than children's diapers. Oh, and uh, so, so what are you seeing? You know, obviously, it's an aging population there. What, what are you seeing in that region of the world? Um, well, funnily enough, Japan is a is a is a country I I actually have very little personal knowledge of. So so uh, it's just it's just uh, it's such a big world that one I haven't really covered in great depth. So uh, um, perhaps I should on the basis of that comment. But um, my my uh, the areas we have covered uh, are are a largely sort of North Asia, being uh -huh. Hong Kong and China, and then South Asia being. Uh, sort of the rest, but in particular Singapore, uh, and then you have in the Pacific area you have Australia. So, um, 
Australia, while being a in, uh, an overall relatively small market, has uh, is a very well, very well run, very well organised healthcare uh, uh, situation. And um, because of that, and because they're sort of very keen on having uh, good quality healthcare, well run healthcare, they've been quite innovative and quite uh, they're very, very uh, IT data tech aware. And so that that presents a, uh, a very fertile ground for people who are very uh, digit, digital um, health pop orientated. Um, the, the, for example, that's why Optum have, have chosen uh, uh, Australia as one of their starting countries outside of the US. Um, it, moving, moving across, you take Singapore, and Singapore is tiny uh, and, and very centralistically run, and as you know, is, you know, has sort of a very strong line in deciding what they're going to do. Like you can't, for example, drop um, chewing gum on the ground in Singapore. Um, uh, so, uh, not surprisingly, they've been a leader in in health uh, pr health promotion, uh, and they've had a national approach to that. Um, but funny enough, it, it sort of started but didn't go that far. Um, and I mean, I think in a way, it's a very small market, and people. Are, quite compliant generally so uh, in a way they had less to achieve than somewhere like China which has just got an enormous amount of progress to make um, so so but Singapore I'd classify as quite advanced um, and but 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 small and it's a sort of health tech hub for this um, Aviva is a massive uh, global insurer it has what it calls its digital garage there um, and a lot of that is health orientated. Uh, Allianz out of Germany also has um, some sort of tech venture stuff based there. So that's sort of that's the role it's been taking. Um, and then you come to China, um, and China has um, a um, admirable five-year health plan, which it uh, re you know which it refreshes every five years, and has done for I think we're on the twelfth iteration or something now, um, and. Why, obviously, what it's been trying to do is create um, a national health insurance system for both urban and rural people. And that's been its biggest challenge because there is no healthcare really in the past there. Um, so they, they have a very big agenda in terms of, you know, giving their people access to healthcare. Um, but in recent iterations of the, of the sort of five year plan, They've been mentioning uh, wellness and health services. That that appeared in the most recent one. Unfortunately, I haven't done as much as a government on that in this five-year period. But I'm pretty sure it's going to be a very important part of the next five-year plan. Um, so, in a way, it's been left to the. Uh, it's then fallen to two two types of um, organisations. Fallen to the corporate world, but. That is both multinationals, which could be owned by uh, anyone in the world, and also large Chinese state-owned companies. And because they are quite, um, they have uh, good corporate um, alignment with the sort of government health agenda, they, they're quite minded to do stuff in this area. So, for example, they've, they've instituted uh, health checks as as their first major initiative and that, that's caught on like a wildfire in uh, in um, 
you know, it's that that area is beginning to grow quite well. And Aetna, for example, have quite a few multinationals there where they're doing interesting, um, fairly holistic healthcare programs. This is this is great. You've, you've sort of walked us around the world very quickly in twenty or so minutes. And what's and incredible what's is incredible. obviously everyone's looking at this population health. How do we do it? We're getting into it. Um, but there's a lot more detail sort of behind this. And I know, you know, you were released a report back in uh, 2016 called the Global Market for Population Health Management. Um, it's apparently there are three parts to it. Report one is now out. Talk a little bit more about what's in that report. You have a wealth of knowledge on these various countries. So what what's in the population, the global market report you produced? Um, well, thanks for that opportunity. Yeah, um, it, it, it is in, it's in three parts. Part one is the sort of like the foundation section uh, in most of the world outside America, but um, probably also a little bit in America, too, is that people don't really know exactly what population health is. And even more so, they don't know whether it really works. Um, and so we've had to def we've had to bring a whole load of uh, definition to it and explain it and break up the many different aspects of terminology into various tools that people use. And then we spent quite a long time uh, establishing the fact base as to whether it works or not. And and you know I gained a lot of uh, uh, insight from uh, thank you Fred for introducing introducing me to the the Population Health Association of America and and other. Uh, um, very informed people uh, and I then try to uh, summarize the knowledge there with the conclusion that yes it does work but only if you do it appropriately do it correctly um, so the first half of the book just talks about does this work and in what circumstances does it work um, so it in a way provides you with a um, don't believe everything you say type thing just do it properly and then you can rely on it so in a way, I'm trying firstly to convince people outside America, go for this. It's, it's a valuable thing. Um, don't believe all the naysayers. Um, the second part of the book uh, tries more to look at the opportunity for people, be they, in, be they in region already or be they outside the region and wanting to grow. And, and so, for example, I identify all the different customer groups be they individuals, be they companies or governments or foundations, whatever it is, uh, in different parts of the world and say where what they're sort of interested in at the moment. Um, and then I make a final attempt to size the workplace wellness market on a global basis. Uh, and in time, uh, books two and three will walk around the world uh, and look at different regions in greater depth and establish what's going on and what the potential is. But, uh, it, that's uh, probably a, a year, at least a year away until the next one because it's such a big topic. Mm -hmm. Well, that's great. And I, I know that people can uh, go to the website and uh, Greg will talk about that to get some more information on the report. Um, what, what other services? I know, you know, for example, after hearing you talk about the Middle East and the variations within the countries or even in Asia or Europe, you know, I've helped to set up a company at one point, a subsidiary in the UK, and it's obviously different. And so do you also provide uh, consulting expertise for people if they say, hey, we're considering country XYZ uh, putting an operation there to uh, help yeah, them yeah. localize that? Well, um, I, 
I think it's important to say that we, we, we are strategy consultants. We're not sort of operational consultants. So our, our role would typically be to answer the question where and why um, so that would give definition of uh, in which country would what service be appropriate and, and we would also be able to give people an indication of what their business case might look like. Um, actually setting it up and operationalizing it, we could help them in terms of, for example, you know, what's being done, who are your competitors, who could be your likely customers, and, and we could accelerate their growth in terms of sort of, in a way, strategic knowledge, but actually designing the wellness program uh, uh, and right. tweaking it for the country, I think is probably, there are, there are better people than us. We, we, we could summarize what's worked but, but mm -hmm. actually making it happen, designing it would be uh, more their job. Got it. So, you know, we're coming up on the half hour, but if you were to say, okay, what, what area, country, or region would you think presents the most opportunity for an American company to take a look at providing population health services? Whoa, uh, million dollar question. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, um, um, I would say that uh, you you would be you would be well advised to maybe think about the UK and um, I possibly would think also China. Well, fantastic! Thank you so much, James, for being on. A great chat about the uh, the world and some of the other opportunities outside of our borders. And uh, we know that your country has been through a few tough experiences recently, and we wish you and all of your brother and the best over there. So with that, I'll turn it over to you, Greg. And <clears throat> that'll have to be the last word for today's broadcast. I do want to thank our special guest, James McGregor, for his time and insights today. Do follow his work at the McGregor Group on the web at www.mcgrigorgroup.com. If your hospital, health system, physician venture, or healthcare conference is looking for social media support, including digital media content development, curation, engagement, or amplification, ping me on Twitter via at 2 healthguru or email greg with two Gs at Health Innovation Media. Unfortunately, we just scratched the surface on some of these global issues. I found the conversation fascinating. Hope you did too. Until we meet again on Pop Health Week for my colleague Fred Goldstein, this is Greg Masters saying bye now.